0: episode 193 of the rugby league republic podcast with your hosts tish and dr t in this episode of the podcast we discuss the trans tasman bubble lopsided scores in the nrl adam reynolds standoff and we debate sportsmanship in the modern game and much much more join us as we build a rugby league community for all the rugby league republic podcast starts right now Welcome to episode 193 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fan's perspective on the greatest game of all, rugby league. This is rugby league for the people. I'm your co-host, Doctor T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, how are you doing this week? Are you pumped up like a big Trans Tasman bubble?
1: Oh, I wish I was that pumped up, but to be honest with you, Doctor T, don't know. I'm just, uh, I'm just all blown out. Just, just blown out. I don't, don't know what it is. Uh, maybe it's watched, from watching all the footy. I've just, uh, you know, like, uh, you know how weird. Like sometimes you have too much chocolate, right? I felt like that with tries. You know, there was so many tries. I just, I just got sick of tries. I was just like, somebody make a tackle. But, uh, but look, I, I, I'm okay. Happy Easter to everybody out there. I hope you had a good Easter. And uh, yeah, Trans Tasman Bubblers, There's a lot to talk about in the world of NRL as always. How you been, Doctor T?
0: Oh, look, I'm so happy that New Zealand's very own Easter bunny, the Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern, has given us the gift of a bubble, a big bubble between our two countries, two of the best at handling this COVID crisis, I must say uh and uh look she has uh announced that there is uh those of you who don't know well maybe we'll get into the news it's, it's, it's one of our news items yeah let, let me know the spoiler alert let's, let's just <laughs> wait let's just jump into that because uh there's yeah. a lot to get through but all right so let's start our six tackles and our first one is our news update here we go And hot off the press, the trans-Tasman bubble has an immediate impact on the NRL. So I was mentioning earlier that uh, New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern announced uh, today, Tuesday, that arrivals into New Zealand from Australia would no longer have to undergo mandatory 14-day quarantine from April 19. And it happens to be a huge boost for, well, for the tourism industry of New Zealand, of course, but it also is a huge boost for the NRL and in particular for the New Zealand Warriors' hopes of returning home uh, mid-year. After all that's been happening, they have been kind of, um, you know, uh, what's the word? Quarantined here in Australia <laughs> during the, the NRL season. And this actually gives them an opportunity, the Warriors players, to go home and, and spend some time with their, their families. And uh Look, this is a huge, huge deal, not just in terms of the tourism industry, but this does, look, it's going to have to give the Warriors a boost for sure if they do decide to go ahead and uh, utilise that fully, uh, which I think they're entitled to. So, look, I don't know, what's the latest and what are your thoughts on this, Tish, in terms of, uh, first of all, the news itself, but also what impact it's going to have on the NRL?
1: Yeah, well, look, in the words of Vin Diesel, I don't have friends, I have family. Um, I think, (laughs) you know, the Warriors have been living in the opposite world where they've just been relying on friends and now they'll finally get back to their loved ones. Um, Will it cause a distraction? Because they've been playing pretty well, actually, Um, you know, sort of situated at the Central Coast. So, but look, I think it's a good news, obviously, Um, what's a trans-Tasman, you know, Uh, bubble has started, there could be, you know, uh, games going back and forth, might even get a Trans-Tasman test, might even get a Samoa versus Tonga test in New Zealand, and maybe another one in Australia type of thing. So I think it's really good news, and it just means that life is sort of going back to normality. So yeah, let's um, keep our fingers crossed. Obviously, the whole issue is going to be, for example, say they do go over, they do play a game, and then suddenly you hear... Oh, sorry. We've had a case, and we've had to shut the borders. That could be pretty disastrous. So I don't know if the risk and reward will be there. Um, but 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 look, maybe um, maybe the NRL will. will... I think the, the thing that we've noticed about the NRL, they've had a contingency plan about every scenario, right? So they might mm. have even got a a plan of action for a bubble once it exists about what they will do and, and how long they'll wait before they'll start sending games back to New Zealand.
0: Yeah, look, um, uh, Tish, I'd like to actually rely on a, a quote from the legendary Robert De Niro in the movie Heat. <laughs> and I think this could be uh, what, uh, what the NRL needs to implement uh, in terms of, Preparation in case of an incident, as you said, where there needs to be a uh, a rapid shutting of borders. Uh, this is from from Heat. This is Robert De Niro as Neil Macaulay. Don't let yourself get too attached to anything you are not willing to walk out on in thirty seconds flat. If you feel the heat around the corner, <laughs> how's that for a, how's that for a <laughs> whatever New York accent? I don't know what it was, but look. I think that's what they need to do. They need to plan for the possibility that borders are going to be rapidly shut within 24 to 48 hours if something happens. So maybe they need to say, look, Warriors uh, team and and in general kind of, you know, hangers on and, and staff, etc. you know, yeah. get prepared because we may need to, If borders shut, you may not be able to go back for a a little while to see your family So, if if you're out of the country. So, you know, prepare yourself as if you you had to pack your bags and walk out on your family pretty much. Yeah. uh, And and I think that's really the best approach. I mean, you know, you you can't go wrong with a Robert De Niro quote, I think. Uh, Yeah. But I think in this case it's very apt because this is what they need to do if they want to plan ahead. And, uh, look, I'm sure, you know, to me, Peter Vilanders is the NRL's version of Robert De Niro. He <laughs> he just looks like the kind of guy that would say, you know, rugby league. Uh, you know, <laughs> oh, I'm not going to do the. <laughs> I was going to do the the quote in, in a Peter Vilanders accent, but I don't really think I can do it justice. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. But look, I think uh, I think he's all he's all over this. I think he knows that this is. Um, you need that exit strategy put yeah. it that way
1: well yeah. it's fly in fly out and uh, maybe um, maybe they could fly them straight into the stadium using helicopters um oh, you know, that like, would
0: be a, that would be a super bubble wouldn't it the bubble would just be around a helicopter
1: yeah that, yeah <laughs> but that, that would be fantastic right because like uh, obviously you've seen the nRL game ball um, or the trophies that it like from the ground. I like it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so you'd the- want to
0: make sure they have the right helicopter. Yeah. You don't get the wrong one with Jimmy Barnes coming out with the Winfield Cup trophy from 1995. Wrong era, Jimmy. Get get back in the helicopter and travel through time and bring back the Warriors of 2021.
1: Yeah, yeah. But look, uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. But I think uh, look, it's it's good news that we're getting closer. But yeah, as I said, uh, as look, I, I'm sure PVL has got. A uh, an action plan and uh, and uh, and yeah and let's hope that part of that uh, let's hope that we could get games back up and running in New Zealand as soon as possible.
0: Absolutely. All right. The next news item is uh, look ugly scenes as footage of a fight between inner uh, NRL supporters at the Easter Monday game uh, emerges. So. They uh, well, there's where did they play? Did they play at Stadium Australia? Yeah, they
1: they, they played at Stadium Australia. Yeah, so this was the annual Parramatta versus West Tigers Monday Easter Monday clash. This time it was a Tigers home game at Stadium Australia, and uh, obviously you know people were attending the Easter show, fairly family friendly atmosphere, and (laughs) um, yeah, three men attending uh, got into a bit of a brawl, and it was circulated around social media. Bizarre the the two main instigators that were fighting against another another were both wearing para- you know Paramount Eels colours, which oh, uh, typical typical, typical Eels fans. Well, I believe I believe infighting is actually part of the uh, Eels <laughs> membership, uh, you know, Kredos, Right, you actually you get it. It's
0: a requirement to get onto the board. It's a requirement
1: to get onto the board. They've obviously seen scenes of Gut- Gutho and Moses on the field when they erupt into a bit of an argument and. Uh, <laughs> And they decided to emulate their greatest players. But yeah, it was, um, to be honest, oh, it was loved, pretty horrible yeah. boxing, uh, if anything. And, <laughs> and 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 to be honest, I actually yeah. felt that part of it, they could have just been mucking around and been burned out of proportion. It, it, it just didn't seem real. Like, uh, like yeah, I, I, I don't know. Look, I'm not a mixed martial arts specialist, but uh, I did not. <laughs> I did not see any any technique or any skill. Um, you know,
0: it's... <laughs> Can I just, just say how funny this is that that in social media erupted? This must have been a slow news week <laughs> because we're talking about two drunken fans of the same team who just decided to <laughs> stop punching each other. We don't know why. Yeah. we do, We have no idea why. And it just makes headline news. I mean... Ugly scenes as footage of a fight between NRL supporters emerges. Really, that's the heading. And it really should have been something like nothing to see here. A couple of drunk Eels fans decide to punch each other, move on. Because <laughs> that really was what should have been. The Because that is no different to what you would see in any regular NRL game. Uh, there is at least one fan that gets ejected from, from the stadium for something like this and it's not a surprise at all so i have no idea why this has become a huge deal um anyway that's just my view but <laughs> just i think look the other news uh, look that's yeah do let's you have anything on. more to say no, 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 let's just move on yeah let's just move on just you know speaking of infighting <laughs> speaking of infighting and and eels aren't like the only ones that have got a mortgage on that um manly now is crumbling from within as well and so What's happening there? What's the latest news on Manly?
1: Oh well, look, Des Hasler. Obviously, they've lost uh, four on the trot—the first four games this season—and I think they lost their last seven last year as well. So they're on a eleven-game losing streak. So um, the Manly board or the bosses at Manly have uh, basically gone out and um, procured or tried to procure the services of former. Uh, North Queensland Cowboys coach Paul Green to become an assistant for Des Hasler. But apparently, uh, they don't mix pretty... They don't mix well at all. Uh, Apparently, there's been... uh, You know, they've never played together. They've never been on the same sort of coaching team ever before. They hardly know each other. And uh, from what they do know of each other, they've had heated um, exchanges over like press conferences in previous years. But Paul Green and Des Hasler... uh, you know, becoming a coaching duo for Manly to try and get them out of this, you know, uh, unbelievable hole of uh, losses. Can this be the... Uh, is this going to be a successful failure, do you think, Dr T? Because, um, you know, Manly, they've never had the wooden spoon before, um, but they are in prime position to get it this year. And uh, could this be the thing that saves them?
0: Well, I've got to say, Tish, nothing, nothing uh, tells you... Uh, or suggest that that a club has its act together as much as a desperate How Mary pass of of a suggestion like bringing two legends together who don't necessarily play ball together and and haven't had a history at all of working well together. But yeah, you know, great suggestion. <laughs> Whoever came up with that. I mean, you may as well put you know. Um, Ray Price in with uh, Dennis Fitzgerald, (laughs) you know, for those of you who are Parramatta fans, you'd know that that is just never going to work. So I have no idea why anyone would suggest this. And, uh, and yeah, it, it just smells of desperation, Um, which it also smells of, you know, the sea eagles or whoever suggested it, just not having a clue about how to get themselves out of the doldrums. And, Mm. If there is any red flag that you want to take uh, this year from a club that looks like it has no clue about what what to do about its predicament, this is it. And and I think uh, this is absolutely danger signs. If there are Manly fans out there who are listening to this, I would uh, you know do what you can to get involved more in the club and try and, and sway some people to you know see some common sense you know maybe suggest your own ideas of what who they could bring in to kind of turn the ship around because at the moment uh the people who are trying to turn the ship around at manly are the same people who uh managed to get that ship stuck in the Suez canal last week (laughs) it's it's (laughs) not gonna happen yeah so look uh yeah i don't know what your thoughts are on that one tish uh but yeah i think there's a big red flag yeah well the thing
1: is like uh a, an appointment of an assistant coach. Um, does it really need to be a news heading? Uh, like I, I feel like uh, there might be maybe people within the club leaking out information unfairly about Des. And look, Dez is a character, and he's a much loved figure. And remember, they were uh, last time they fired Des Hasler, they were they were kind of um, you know it was really bad publicity right around that form manly. Um, so maybe maybe this is like sort of the, the steps, but look, it's still very early in the season. They're not the only, there's, you know, there's three other, there's two other teams that haven't won a game either. Um, so yes, things look really bad, but uh, I don't necessarily feel like, uh, you know, th- I, I don't feel like this sort of measure is, is warranted at the moment. So, um, but let's watch this space maybe. And uh, look, the other thing I heard is that they actually have the same agent Um uh, both Paul Green and Des Hasler. So it could be something where it was suggested by the agent saying, you know, you've got Des on your books. I've also got Paul Green. Why don't you bring him in an assistant? And uh, just when, uh, you know, Des, you know, uh, looks across his shoulder, uh, he suddenly gets the, uh, you know, the Canberra treatment. And I'm not talking about Canberra Raiders, I'm talking about Canberra politics, you know, the, uh, <laughs> you know that type of uh, secret ballot in at midnight, right, to determine uh, yeah. Paul Green as a coach. But look, um, yeah, I mean, uh, let's uh, we're for all clubs. I think we all want them to to be run well. But uh, in the meantime, let's just sit back and watch the drama as as uh, as as what Manly seem to be at the moment.
0: Yeah, let's watch it unfold. All right, let's now move on to tackle number two, which is our last round review. Here we go with the round four wrap. All right, so a lot of lopsided scores, which we will be talking about soon. Uh, Look, so let's just roll through quickly. The Penrith Panthers, 46-6 over the Manly Warringah Seagulls. The Rabbitohs, 38-0 over the Bulldogs in in the traditional Good Friday clash. And in the other traditional Good Friday clash, Melbourne Storm, 40-6 over the Brisbane Broncos. Um, The Cronulla Sutherland Sharks, 48-10 over the Cowboys. Uh, Canberra Raiders 20-4 over the Gold Coast Titans and in probably one of the tightest uh, matches this weekend. <laughs> the uh, the Dragons 22 defeating the Knights 13 um, and uh, the Roosters 32-12 over the Warriors and obviously the Easter Monday clash which we spoke about earlier. The Eels 36 over the Tigers 22 after the Eels almost let uh, a very good lead slip in late in the second half. In front of a well, the highest crowd of the weekend, twenty nine thousand and fifty six. So, again, as predicted, the the dormant eels army and tigers army waiting for their teams, respectively, to um, you know, do something this year. But uh, but yeah, look, which one of those games would you uh say would be the highlight of the round for you, Tish?
1: Well, I've got to say there were, there were actually two games that do stand out. Um, yeah, the the eels and tigers game with about. I think it was about with, uh, what, three minutes left. I think the score was 24-22 um, uh, to, uh, you know, to the Eels. So it was really, really tight right until the end. There was a big comeback from the Tigers. And then um, and then I think it was Gutherson? No, yeah, it was Gutherson that scored a try. Um, and then right at the last, you know, after the Hooter, a shocking, uh, I don't know why the Tigers even did this, but they kicked the ball from their own line um, to be caught by. <laughs> to be caught by um, uh, Blake Ferguson, uh, who went and scored. So that kind of blew that score out, but it was actually a really close game. So, mm. um, And also the Newcastle St George game, that was really, really close right up until the end. I think there was only a, a try in it, and it was quite an exciting game. And it was really good to see the Dragons this year. They're actually uh, been a bit of a revelation. Um, That's three wins straight. And uh, knocking over Newcastle, who, um, you know, might actually need a special exemption now because they've, exor- um, you know, they've got a name 20, I think it's 21 players they've got a name every week. But they're unable to do that with the amount of injuries they have from their top 30. So... Um, yeah, so so huge problems for Newcastle, but I think those two games stood out for me. Um, and obviously, you know, it was disappointing to see the Tigers lose, but I think Parramatta, um, lots of errors, but still able to win the game, which shows us that they're they're really a champion team and a world contender for this year. How about yourself, Doctor T?
0: Uh, yeah, look, I have to agree with you. I think uh, look Easter Monday Tigers and Eels, it fails, it never fails. Sorry to uh, mm. to excite and entertain. And this year was no different. Just when I thought, oh, well, this is an open and shut case and the Eels are definitely going to roll away with this one, they decide to do the typical Eels thing and fall asleep in the second half, uh, just as Blake Ferguson had done with, you know, a lot of errors, unforced errors and that kind of thing. Uh, and yet they somehow managed to still run away with the win when it mattered. And so... You know, look, really, they only have themselves to blame for it, for it being as close as it was. But, look, I'd like to point out the Knights. The Knights and the Dragons, neither team, I think, you know, you would consider in the top echelon of, uh, of, of teams this year. Um, you know, I would say it's fair to say that these teams, uh, you know, at the beginning of the season, a lot of people would be predicting that both the Knights and the Dragons would be you know, possibly hovering around the top eight, possibly the Knights being considered a bit more favoured than the Dragons, Uh, certainly the Dragons under a lot of pressure after what happened last year. And, look, at at home, at Newcastle, um, you know, I I guess it's the the kind of traditional rivals because they're both kind of steel cities. You know, it's the steel city cup, you know, Newcastle versus uh, Wollongong kind of thing. And they managed to get look twenty one thousand fans there out in Newcastle. So there's on a you know was it a sun, Easter Sunday game I believe in the yeah. afternoon. So so really you know full credit to the Newcastle fans. I think I wanted to highlight this game not just for the closeness of it, and we kind of knew this was going to be the closest of the games this weekend. Uh, but I think just the way that um, the fans have turned up to support the Knights, I think the Knights are building something more than just a team there. They're building, you know, another kind of sense of family there and I think the fans are starting to respond to that. So I think it's something that we shouldn't, we shouldn't uh, you know, take lightly that that they're rebuilding their fan base over there even though, you know, they're probably not going to make the grand final this year but they're going to give uh, the Nova Castrian community over there uh, a lot of pride. And I I think, look, despite the fact that they lost the game and the story was really about the Dragons getting three wins in a row when no one would have expected that um, four games into this season, uh, I think let's just point to the Newcastle Knights and the fans for what they've been building up there. So, you know... Um, even though it's not really a cauldron up there uh, in terms of opposing teams getting there, but it's almost always an entertaining game when you've got the Knights at home. So, um, yeah, those are my highlights. So, look, a lot of uh, great positives there, but obviously some negatives as well, which we are about to launch into. So let's just launch right into tackle number three. Here we go. Tackle number three is our, our spotlight, and the spotlight is now on the NRL's new rules, uh, potentially leading to what some have seen as the most lopsided round uh, in almost 17 years of the uh, in the NRL. So a combined total of 209 points have decided the eight games of round four, with an average of 26.1 points between teams at full time. Parramatta's 14-point win over the Tigers capped off the biggest margin in a round since round 16 in 2004, when 29.6 was the average difference between sides. So, uh, And before Monday's game, the, the mark was previously at 205 points for the weekend since the NRL went to 16 teams, which was set in round 21 of 2013. Now, yeah. the, uh, the NRL at the beginning of the season was adamant that uh, early season blowouts can't be put down to the new rules, <clears throat> which are supposed to promote fatigue, uh, and and you know others have pointed to poor roster management, uh, soft efforts from teams, etc. As also potential reasons why we're seeing these lopsided scores. Now, just six of 31 games played so far this season have been decided by a converted try or less which has denied fans regular grandstand finishes. And uh, a quote here from Warriors coach Nathan Brown, I don't think any of us like seeing a game of footy when it's 30-0 at halftime. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, well, this is true coming from a Niels fan who was at the 2001 grand final <laughs> where it was <laughs> 24-0 at time. Yeah. Anyway, um, And he says, when you see games where it's tight, they are the games we want to see from a footy fan's point of view. I don't think it's great for the game, but I don't know what the answer is there because I do think the new rules make for a good spectacle. I like seeing the game where smaller people can get an advantage. Uh, And, look, I guess all of this kind of leads to the question, Tish, uh, you know, are the rules to blame for what we've seen as lopsided scores uh, or what other explanation... Uh, could we have for it? So over to you first, and then I'll see if I can add to the the conversation.
1: Okay, okay. Well, uh, there are – look, I I don't think you could uh, blame it on one single thing, which is that being the rules. I think the rules play a part uh, because it's so hard at the moment to um, shift the momentum in a game. Um, You know, if you get back-to-back, you know, tackle, restart, set of sixes, and then on top of that, you know, the other team scores a try, then they kick off again. You know, it's three or four sets or five to ten minutes where you haven't had the ball at all. So by the time you get the ball back... Um, you know what are you going to do with the ball right you know you've while the other team is fully charged and revved up and and you're under fatigue and i think these moments of the games happen quite a lot which is why you sort of see it so i think i think the rules do play a part in that they they don't have there's no real mechanism to try and stop a team um you know from uh sort of gaining more like when when a team's got overall possession, it's really hard. It's, it's become a very possession-oriented game um, just with the way they've done the rules. And I think the other thing is, yeah, the roster management, I think, plays a part. There is two tiers. There is definitely two tiers, right? But I think the thing that nobody has actually mentioned, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, Dr. T, right? But mm. uh, for this particular round, you had the Premiers, the Melbourne Storm, playing the Wooden Spooners on your Friday night slot, by the way, uh, <laughs> prime time slot, right? Um, you had the minor premiers playing a team that came 13th last year, right? Um, then you had the second last team in the Bulldogs playing the Rabbitohs, also on an Easter clash, and the Rabbitohs are probably hot on fire. And if you actually go through each one of these games, what you realise in this particular round is that all the bottom eight teams from last year played a top eight team from last year. Right now, this draw wasn't done a halfway through last year. This draw was done after the regular season. So the fact that you put so many games on a, a premier weekend for the NRL, um, were you trying to raise money for a charity as well, uh, which they were heavily trying to promote? Um, I think um not just roster management but I think um you know the uh the draw management from the NRL uh, also <laughs> needs to have a serious hard look at themselves right because um yeah like what yeah why would you do why would you stack it up like this like um you know sure I think every round has got to have at least two at least one game where two top 8 teams play um together and I think as soon as you as, as soon as you put that rule in, you're gonna you're gonna get teams. You're gonna get more closer closer rounds. Like, so I don't know if they're saving up the blockbuster games for later on in the season, in the mid winter when nobody is when everybody's focused on State of Origin.
0: Um. Mm, or, or, good point. Good
1: yeah, point. but look, I, th- I think yeah. So look, that's why I said it's multifaceted. Um, but I, but I think I think the rules play a part. I think the the, the, obviously, the two-tier, some people calling it a three-tier competition with, you know, like a top six, um, then like a middle group, and then, um, you know, the three teams um, who have, have minus 100 for and against after four rounds, which was only previously done by one team, which was the Cowboys in 2002. <laughs> so three teams have, have broken that record. Plus, you also got the Bulldogs who haven't scored a try, or actually haven't scored a point in three matches. Um, <laughs> so, um, so Trent Barrett, extraordinary attacking coach at Penrith.
0: so oh God.
1: <laughs> not really happening for him at the moment. So look, I, I, I'd, I'd put it down to, 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 those three things. What about yourself there, Dr. T? Uh,
0: look, yeah. I mean, it's good that you pointed that out about the, uh, the, the, the matchup and the fact that look, the scheduling, committee, whoever it is, whether it's an AI or whether it's people, you know, involved in selecting plus computerized sort of mechanisms um, have not done a great job because I would think logically, you know, you'd want to put those matchups like we've seen in the last round. Potentially, you want to see those matchups during Origin because you're going to see depleted top eight sides. Yeah. By the very nature of the, a lot of those players are going to Origin. So, you know, a Melbourne versus uh, whoever they played this weekend, uh, you do want to see them during Origin, not necessarily now, because they're at full strength. So, look, that's one thing, and I agree, that potentially it's we've shot ourselves in the foot is, I think, what, what you're trying to say there in terms of our scheduling. But I would say there's another point which uh, I believe was made last week. I was watching one of those, one of those Fox Hill shows uh, with I think it was Paul Kent made this point who's a Sydney journalist. I may have made this point last week as well. That he sort of mentioned the fact that, and this was I think yeah I think I did make this point in relation to our concussion discussion um, and and the injuries that, that we've seen in the first few weeks in NRL and and look he made the point that, look, because we haven't had that many uh, trial games, really it takes a few weeks for for teams to get, you know, into the proper match fitness and to, you know, iron out all the kinks and, and sort of get into a groove in a way. And so if it takes usually three to four games, well, we're at that point now. We're at round four. Um, and so I think what we're starting to see is, you know, some of the teams are really starting to respond to this kind of the new rules and and really uh, have adjusted to it and others are still not quite match fit potentially. Um, And I think that's the problem is when it comes to a fatigue-related set of new rules, um, you are going to find out those teams that are not match fit. And and I think this potentially could be a fitness thing more than anything else. And so... um, you know Nathan Brown's point about the the fatigue is where the little the little man comes into play. Well, did you see who is leading the Dally M leaderboard at the moment?
1: Mighty and Mouse.
0: Is that what his name is? Oh, uh,
1: I don't know. I don't know.
0: Yeah, <laughs> close. Uh, well, maybe he will have to be that will have to be his nickname. But it's Parramatta Hooker Reed Marnie. Ah. So to me, it's that's indicative as much as anything that, you know, if you have a fast sort of uh, dummy half who is able to service your backs quickly, service your six and sevens quickly and forwards as well and get get you that momentum and potentially once in a while speed through the ruck, you know, look at the players. Who, who are kind of the best... Hookers in the game at the moment. Uh, you know, you've got obviously, well, Cam Smith. Uh, you know, you're, you're talking Cam Smith, but Melbourne Storm's already got like a very strong structure there. But at the Rabbitohs, you've got Damien Cook. Um, you've got Jake Friend at the Roosters. Uh, you know, Reed Marnie's obviously in form at the moment. Um, do you still have Seguiaro at the Panthers, I believe? Um, so you've got you've got these sorts of players who, you know, have uh, have the, that skill set. You've got, uh, I think, at the Dragons. Who do we have at the Dragons again? Uh, I forget the name, but um, oh, my Dragons friends will probably <laughs> get really upset at me about that. But, um, you know, um, oh, I keep forgetting his name. Is it Cameron McInnes, potentially?
1: Um, I th- uh,
0: yeah. It was him, but
1: he he they got rid of him for. Oh, did they? Yeah, yeah. I try to. I can't. I can't remember the name. Uh, uh. But yeah, he was at Brisbane for ages, and then he came down. I remember, but anyway.
0: Oh, um, okay, so look, and look, you've got a few of those players that really – Yeah. 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 Um. <laughs> anyway, but, it's but really, yeah. it's 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 all about look to me Cook and Reed Marnie. Uh, kind of, the, and Jake Friend and a few others are the kind of the form players, and it doesn't really have to be a dummy half or a number nine. Mm. It you just need to have that sort of a player. You know, potentially this is could could this be the reason? Like, who who have have the Dragons been? Um, uh, I, I guess relying on Ben Hunt usually has Ben Hunt been playing a different role this year. Yeah. because potentially this could be the reason why um, you know you've you've had uh, the results that we've seen is that we've seen the dragons uh, you know rely on a different style of game so this is just... Um, look, I'm guessing it's a Ben Hunt, and Ben Hunt is known for being speedy. So, this could potentially be Ben Hunt's <laughs> saving grace. This yeah. kind, these new rules, yeah. and I guess the point I'm trying to make there is that it's not just a one-off. This we've talked in the past about the you know very recently the role of the fullback. We might be seeing the resurgence of the hooker uh, with these rule changes. Mm. And it, look, really, it's all about who is the quickest team to cotton onto this. Um, our team's ready for it. And I think the Eels have prepared for this, which is why I genuinely believe they are premiership contenders. And we all know the Rabbitohs with Damien Cook and others are uh, primed for this kind of, you know, letting the little guy have, have a particularly big role to play. And with Wayne Bennett there uh, as coach, you know, that's going to put them in good stead as well, uh, the Rabbitohs this year. So, um yeah, so I think, look, that my my view is I think uh, the rules definitely have a role to play and um, it is about really which of the teams are able to adjust quickest and, and get match fit so that they can uh, counteract the effect of fatigue, which is really why that rule was brought in because we do want to see skills, really. We don't want to see necessarily fitness rule of the day, but it is about skills and... Making sure that, uh, you know, the most skillful players uh, are there at the end of the day and and the little guy is there as opposed to it all being about whoever is the most athletic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or,
1: or or just the bash him approach, like just bash him yeah. down the middle. And in the end, you get uh, brawn over brain too much. Uh, whereas now you're talking about fatigue. You're talking about, you know, players who can are a bit more creative, um, mm. and, and I think their skills come out. So, look, I think you're right. That's another facet that we have to look at is that it, it has been a shortened uh, off-season, which means – and which is probably the cause of a lot of injuries as well. Adjusting to new rules, it's you know, it's a, it's a difficult challenge, right? Um now, is it, is it insurmountable? I don't think so. But, you know, I think that's probably where it is. And look, the bigger clubs have bigger coaching staff, have more resources um, and, and are able to, to sort of adjust better just because they're much more better run clubs. Um, I do have a couple of questions around, you know, exemptions. We talk about these exemptions that the Roosters have had, for example, over the last... A uh, few months, right? Um, you know, you know, by giving a top team some of these exemptions to their roster, it actually allows them to actually plan better on who they're going to select, which I think is a is 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 an unfair disadvantage. And I think the NRL um, have, you know, they've they've given some of these conveniences to some teams uh, lately, and I don't, I feel like that is. Uh, adding to the unfairness or the imbalance as well. So I, th- I think the way you... I mean, it's got to be one rule for all. Like, um, even, um, you know, even with, uh, you know, sort of some players who would sign big contracts but then renege for smaller contracts to be able to play for another team, those type of exemptions and stuff like that has played around with clubs, um, you know, uh, sort of, uh, you know, budgets and salary caps. And I think all those factors are now playing into the fact that there is, you know, there is a divide. There is a there is a class system in the NRL now and, you know, the teams, there are teams that seem to have endless resources and, uh, you know, exemptions where other clubs um, have players going to boxing matches and then getting fined, even though they attended with players from other clubs who got exemptions. Just sort of mm. saying. But anyway, but... Um, but yeah, but we can talk about that later. But anyway, but that, but, but yeah, look, I think overall, I think all you raised some great points there. So I think I think it's multifaceted, and I think at the end of the day, um, you know, the, the, I think I know, uh, the answer is not going to be a quick fix. It is not going to. Ha- it's you're not going to be able to fix it in a week, right? This is a this is a long term thing you have to do. People clubs have to get used to the rules. Um, maybe we need to get more uh, pathway systems. People are talking about the under twenties competition reigniting. There's probably a whole bunch of things we need to do long term to get it going on, uh, to get to get, um, a much fairer competition. Um, but uh, yeah, but but I think um, yeah, but none of these changes are gonna help the situation uh, next week. But I I, I do got to say um, next week we do have two games um from top eight, you know, two top eight clashes, as well. So what it means is that the bottom teams will play together and they will end up having a much closer contest anyway, right? Um, And then you might have a situation like the Dragons have had where you get into a series of wins and you suddenly have confidence and now you're taking on a big club um, in Parramatta this week. So you end up having a bit of uh, momentum. So I think think that to me is a good draw where you sort of, um, you know, you give the opportunity for teams that are sort of lowly ranked in the previous years. To actually play against each other in maybe the first few rounds, just to gain some confidence. Like you get some teams that are in form taking on, um, you know, like like for example, like the Melbourne Storm have won I think two out of four. So you know, um, but they were one, yeah. So you just get them to play. A two out of four team will play. Like if they played the Dragons this week, you know, it, you could kind of balance. it. I, I feel like the the roster actually plays uh, the draw plays a, uh, a real big part in how close games are going to be per round because you're going to have a blowout every round, but you want to yeah. have at least two or three really close games as well.
0: Yeah, exactly. Look, no doubt, as you said, as we get more and more into the future and, and see how teams have adjusted to this new rule, new rule regime, we will see uh, patterns emerging. And, uh, you know, this is my chance to segue into tackle number four, we will, uh, we will, we will give rise to another Jeff Toovey investigation. So here we go, tag one number four, Jeff Tuvey special investigation, <laughs> or GSI, my manly as I call it. Um, look, this week's Jeff Tuvey special investigation is about. A, one of those little players we spoke about, uh, Adam Reynolds from South Sydney, mm. is having a an, uh, a contract standoff that is getting quite ugly at the moment and is leading to a growing anger amongst fans and uh, and both sides of the the, the debate there. Tish, uh, do you want to tell us what this is all about? What's Adam Reynolds and South Sydney contract standoff all about?
1: Okay, well, uh, thank you, Dr. T. Well, South Sydney are in... Uh, as a lot of people say, they're in their moment. This seems to be the year that they, um, you know, have that opportunity. The, their window for winning a grand final is definitely this year. And their main player, South Sydney halfback, Adam Reynolds, uh, I suppose their main organiser, um, he is in a bit of a standoff with the club around his future uh, contract. So he comes off contract this year and he's uh, thirty years old, but he's at loggerheads with the Rabbitohs over the length of the contract extension. Um, Basically, Reynolds wanted three years, but he has been offered only a one-year deal, and the Rabbitohs are refusing to look at any multi-year contract. Um, And I think Reynolds has even gone on to say, look, even if they give me two, I will take it, but they haven't. Now, further anger has gone in over um, the South's sort of Uh, implying um, that he has ongoing injury issues and doesn't train full-time. Now, that has angered the Reynolds camp because obviously um, other clubs uh, finding out that, you know, he's injury-prone may then uh, therefore, um, you know, sort of uh, have other clubs may not give him an offer because they think he's too injury prone. So Mm. look, um, but however, look, Josh Mansell always to the rescue. Um, You know, he's, he's come out and said that uh, he's really confident everything will work work, uh, work itself out. Now the Reynolds situation has kind of uh, come at an interesting time as well. I mean, obviously it's early on in the season. Um, You know, Reynolds is very unhappy apparently with how things are going. He really wants to get this contract finalized. Um, he doesn't want to just go for one year and one year. One year. Um, there is another issue where Cody Walker comes off contract, not uh, like not not the end of this year, but the end of next year. So there's likely chance that Reynolds, if he only takes the one year deal, may not get more money down the down the track. But um, there's rumors that Matt Burton, who is playing for the Panthers, might backflip on his Bulldogs deal, um, just based on how poor form there is. There's also News that um, you know North Queensland captain Michael Morgan might be medically retired as early as this week, which would then give them um, a salary cap clearance to sign Reynolds. And they're even talking about releasing their current halfback Jake Clifford to the Newcastle Knights, which he's already signed for for next year, which the Knights have requested since Mitchell Pearce is going to is suffering from a long term injury. Uh, and then you've also heard that Luke Brooks, who's coming off contract. Uh, could be headed to North Queensland, and Sean Johnson is coming off contract this year season. Cronulla don't have any plans to renew him, and he might end up at the Rabbitohs. So, Doctor T, do you think? Firstly, should a local junior like Adam Reynolds, who lived in the Housing Commission, who dreamed of playing for South Sydney, who's played all of his career at South Sydney, has been their goalkeeper, a goal, uh, you know, uh, goal, you know what do they call it, goal kicker? And, um, you know, main main organiser for like over a decade. Do you think the Rabbitohs can offer him more than just a one-year deal? Do you think that a two-year deal, they should go for a two-year deal? Or do you think um, it's time for Reynolds to move on?
0: Look, I think at the end of the day, there's a couple of things here and I think you're hinting towards a solution as well, which we've spoken about before when it comes to long-term players who have been at a club forever and i think what needs to happen is well, f- first firstly the thing is the rabbiters are just doing what they need to do to maintain their position within the salary cap and make sure that they don't go over so they've obviously come to a decision that he uh is you know potentially not worth more than a, a year uh a year to them um you know again it is all about expectations and apart from that 2014 victory, he hasn't really delivered much for them since then. He hasn't been as, you know, he hasn't really brought them to another uh, another grand final since then. So really it's all about, I guess, partly could be about performance and are they looking to the future, really? Um, and so I think, I think it's fair to say, look, Reynolds is, in terms of his career, is probably in the tail end uh it's probably got a few more years to go but obviously the the rabbit eyes are doing what they can to um you know to position themselves to get someone uh for the future so they are just playing within the rules of the game as they exist however if the rules were to change and if players who have been at a club for a long period would get some sort of a well you know we've we've said before if you if you if a player has been there for say 10 years why can't they have, say, a 50% discount so that only 50% of their salary uh, gets onto the salary cap? That would encourage players to not jump ship so often, um, which can be a good thing because, you know, how often do we see the tragedy of uh, a great club man having to spend the last couple of years of his career at a different club from... (laughs) <laughs> from which he played and earned his uh, stripes um, only for the reason that, well, they had to be fit under, fitted under the salary cap and or they couldn't be fitted under the salary cap uh, at that club. And one way to resolve that is to allow for their contribution to be less than what their actual contract value is. So, you know, if Reynolds was valued in terms of a, a contract he gets a 50% discount, so if whatever he's getting paid, half of that only counts. You know, if that were the case, then would that resolve this problem? I think it would. And I think if it would resolve this problem, then to me, I think the obvious thing would be for the NRL to, to say, let's, you know, let's come up with a solution like this so that we don't get into the, the you know, the, the media, uh, for negative kind of uh, stories like this, this needn't be a story, Tish. Ultimately, it needn't be a story, and it's only a story because the salary cap regime is not optimal. It's as simple as that. So if we fix that, we all of a sudden this doesn't become an issue and, and we don't get fans. You know, think of the children, Tish. Think of all the children that have followed Robbie Farrar and thought he would be a Tigers man through and through, and wasn't. <laughs> yeah, that's Or true. Benji, or Benji Marshall, or things mm. like that. You know, think about all of these players who have had to go to other clubs just to, uh, you know, to continue their career when they're in the twilight of their career, only because they, you know, they're a victim of their own success. Mm. And I think why not incentivize players who stay at a club for ten years? And uh, or whatever the whatever is the, the appropriate uh, period, and and you only do that by you know allowing their contribution to be much reduced compared to the rest of uh, the team, and you know that, if anything that encourages more loyalty, I think. So, Tish, that's my view. I think a the Jeff Toovey special investigation should recommend <laughs> to the NRL that they really think hard about this. Uh, uh, you know, players who the loyalty players who are loyal to the same club and what that means for the salary cap and then stories like this wouldn't be stories. What do you reckon?
1: Yeah, well, look, I think um, I think the uh, NRL and the South Sydney uh, board should actually jump onto a government website, uh, dese.gov.au, and look at the mature age uh, hub. You know the benefits. Of employing mature age workers, uh, and obviously we're talking about NRL players over the age of thirty. But you know what? They they bring uh, improved productivity, uh, competitiveness, and client satisfaction due to their relationships. You know, obviously we built a rela- Adam Reynolds has built a relationship with their supporter base. You know, they could fill in vacancies. You know, Reynolds, he's a you know he's a halfback one day, but he can probably you know play a role as a really good hooker down the track you know what I mean, uh, yeah. to fill in that void, you know. Um, you know, he could uh, sort of, you know, help mentor some of the younger players that come across, right? So that's always good, you know. And obviously, you know, the older the player gets, the more loyal they get because they're after more security. So I think they just need to go on to dse.gov.au, uh, check out the benefits and then offer him a satisfying contract and not be ageist. Uh, in this modern workforce, in this modern world. I mean, um, I think I think that's what uh, the NRL should actually uh, have, a mature age workers program perhaps.
0: Wow, well done. And look, uh, let's move on to tackle number five because since we're talking about the modern game, uh, there's a little bit of a rant or a debate that we need to get into this week. Uh, so here we go with a little bit of a rant for tackle number five. Okay, so the topic of interest this week for our rant slash debate is: Has sportsmanship been lost in the modern game? And so, I want to point out an incident where uh, at the St. George Newcastle game, where Newcastle player um, Kurt Mann was knocked out cold, and uh, St. George player Michaela Ravalava, uh, you know, made a bit of an unsavoury kind of uh, gesture. uh, Towards um, man as he was lying down on the turf, which led to uh, you know a bit of a, an all in brawl. <laughs> pretty much, uh, a lot of players from the um, Newcastle side did not uh, take kindly to uh, Ravalawa being uh, basically taunting uh, a, a clearly unconscious um, uh, you know Kurt man on the ground. And uh, yeah, and I guess this raises the question: Look, this isn't. We don't often see this, uh, but it's a kind of situation that we have seen a few times. We've seen obviously, you know, we've even seen other incidents where well, without, it's not quite the same sort of scenario, but, you know, the, um, the Cam Smith scenario with uh, uh, who was a player that got knocked out and, and ended up having a neck injury, you know, it wasn't really taunting him, but it was more just disrespect. And so, what I wanted to raise with you, Tish, is this general sense of disrespect and uh, sportsmanship uh, has it been lost in the modern game? I mean, we talk about, you know, in the past, yes, we would, we know, we knew in generations gone by that players would rip into each other, and, and there were some real nasty kind of, you know, uh, things going on on the field, um, but. But, you know, many times you'd hear stories of players uh, getting together after the game and having beers with each other and, uh, you know, and on the field, once they get on the field, they hate each other, um, you know. And so to me, this this idea of sportsmanship is obviously about how you show respect on the field. Um, and, uh, look, I guess, yeah, this is a question. Is this just a one-off, what we saw, or is this an indicative of a general malaise in the game of uh, a lack of sportsmanship and, and general respect for each other as players. What do you think? Well,
1: look, in the case of Ravaloa, I believe that this is a, a want-off. Um, he did actually... Uh, I mean, there's reports saying that he did actually check with how Man was doing after the game. Um, but obviously on the field, he was unaware of how serious the situation is. And... Um, and interesting enough, um, if you've seen the incident, you'll notice that there's three Newcastle players that try to gang, gang tackle him. And two of them try to shoulder charge him one of them being Man, the other one being Jacob Siafidi, um, who actually has. Um, he was actually put on report after this incident and mm. has a Grade 1 offense. So the thing is. I think it's a bit rich for the Knights uh, players to sort of blame Ravel, Ravel for his reaction because they're the ones trying to hurt, sorry, uh Lava, right? So, um, mm. you know, if it was another incident where, you know, perhaps, you know, there wasn't malicious intent from the Newcastle players uh, to hurt, um, you know, the, the opposing player and then the player end up hurting him and then... Reacted this way, then I think they could have a case. But I feel they're more upset just because. Oh, sorry about that. Bless
0: you. Because because See, there's forgot. none of this respect in the game. <laughs> yeah. there's plenty here on our podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah, thank you, Doctor Z. Thank you, Doctor Z. But uh, but look, yeah, look, I just think um, I feel like it's an overreaction from the Newcastle minds Actually, like I think, look, in the heat of the game, you know, you don't really, uh, you know, I, I just think it was just a big moment. Something happened. The fact that he got himself out of the situation, he probably would have caught these three players all on a shoulder charging um, thing. And man, to be honest, I, I think man got he got hit by Ravelava, but he also got hit by the other two players next to him, who none of them had their hands up to do a, to do a proper tackle. So yeah, I, I just feel like it's. I think this is just a once-off um, because you see opposing. I mean, all for every every game you've seen NRL players sort of help each other uh, throughout. And I feel like there's pretty good relationships with NRL players. In fact, last year we were talking about that. Maybe they're too friendly with each other, you know, after the Broncos were defeated by, you know, lots of points last year. They were all hugging and shaking hands and smiling and taking pictures with, uh, you know, after losing uh, quite badly. So, um you know, we've gone from everybody loves each other too much to everybody hates each other too much in, in less than a year. I, I feel it's kind of more reactionary rather than uh, rather than an actual indicative of the game. What about your thoughts, Doctor T?
0: Yeah, look, as Amelia Vanilli would say, blame it on the COVID. Um, <laughs> yes. Maybe that's why. Maybe COVID has got people go, gone, people loopy mm. because of. Uh, yeah, look, I I think it is a potentially is a one off and i know we've talked about this in the past as you said that that some teams uh, you know there was uh, are they too kind of uh, chummy with with some of the opponents and you know you've got the old old guard who say no in back in our day we used to hate the hate manly and we used to hate each other <laughs> well that's not entirely true because that may have been true for some people but generally you would hear lots of stories about players showing just generally more respect for, you know, and let's not look without breaking open this Pandora's box, there's also the general kind of respect for women as well. And and generally, uh, you know, there's, there's that kind of element that, that gets talked about in terms of NRL players nowadays as opposed to in the past, you know, and and, and generally in society. So there's a lot here that, that we can uncover. But I think, um, yeah, potentially this is just an example of a player who just didn't realize what was going on and his instinct was to taunt and that's i guess that's the thing his instinct would have been to just yeah got gotcha, you mate you know that kind of thing whereas really uh he should have just been a bit more careful with the celebrating and 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 that kind of trash talking as well uh, and we know that that is also a problem in the game there is quite a lot of this trash talking and you know all you got to do is look at the commentators you know, you've got Andrew Johns and uh, Jonathan Thurston, who were two of the greatest trash talkers, of and and most annoying pests for opposing <laughs> players in their in their generation. So, look, obviously it does uh, it does really uh, carry a lot of weight in the game to play that way. And let's not forget that you know, sometimes those players who are successful are the ones who are super competitive, and. It's unfortunate when competitiveness gets too far and isn't measured or counteracted with a bit of sportsmanship and I think that's really the difference between you know some sports where competitiveness is is uh, you know um, seen as a greater value than you know playing for the love of the game and respecting your opponent you know you do see in soccer when there's an injury that you know you have the the general respect of um, you know, kicking the ball back to the opposing goalkeeper uh, when you know that um, they, uh, your your opposition were the last ones to have possession of the ball and through no fault of their own, through an injury or whatever, they lost possession. And so the general respectful thing to do is to kick it back to the goalkeeper and let them have a turn. You know, in tennis, it's the same thing. Obviously, a more more gentle kind of game than, than rugby league for sure. But, you know, again, it's you know, uh, general respect and clapping when, when your opponent uh, does a great shot. Um, you will not necessarily see that in the game of rugby league when, when your opposition scores a great, great try, you hang your head in shame. You don't necessarily clap and give them a pat on back and say, you know, well done, opposition player, <laughs> you know. So really, you know, it is about competitiveness and, and how much uh, do we value winning at all costs versus, um, you know, respecting people when, when the time calls for it. And I think some of this trash talking is partly, partly because of uh, the influence of, um, you know, like NBA and that kind of thing as well in some of the players' sporting repertoire. Um, that has something to do with it as well. So there's a general culture <coughs> Pardon me, in some of the younger generation of being a bit of a trash talker and that's kind of seen as a positive thing. So I think that needs to be uh, removed from the game. So I'm kind of glad that uh, we don't see more incidents like we saw on the weekend. But look, I'll leave it there. And shall we move on to the last tackle, which is our tips? Here we go. Round five tips after four rounds. I'm on 25 and you're on 19. I got seven out of eight and you got six out of eight last weekend. And we are going to go to our round five tips. So here we go. Souths versus Broncos. Uh, I'm going for Souths.
1: I am tipping Souths as well.
0: All right. Uh, Warriors versus Broncos. Sea Eagles. Uh, look, I think the Warriors will win this one.
1: Yeah, I am tipping the Warriors too. This is kind of a uh, Central Coast derby a little bit.
0: It is a little bit for now. <laughs> yeah. um, Panthers grand finals last year versus Canberra Raiders. By the way, top of the table. Yeah. I'm actually tipping an upset. Raiders for mine.
1: Yeah, well, uh, I'm tipping the pet of Panthers to repeat what they did in
0: 1991. Wow. Titans versus Knights. I'm tipping the Knights to bounce back.
1: Um, I am tipping the Titans.
0: Okay. Um, Bulldogs v Storm. Jeez. <laughs> i got to tip the Storm. <laughs> I think I think the Storm on this one. I think the biggest tip would be is Bulldog, are the Bulldogs going to actually score a point, mm. um, uh, which I don't, I'm not sure. They might be held to zero, which would be probably the worst start of any team in history if this is the case. So, Let's see if they can score a point against the storm. Not an easy feat, but anyway, Roosters versus Sharks, Bondo versus Cronulla, the battle of the beaches in Sydney, and I am going for the Roosters.
1: Uh, I am tipping the Sharks in a bit of an upset. Wow! Um, they need revenge for uh, what the what's it what what was the guy uh, one of the try scorers that keeps yeah, anyway.
0: They want revenge. <laughs> they want revenge. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look speaking of revenge tigers v cowboys this was a, a replay of the 2005 grand final where the tigers beat the cowboys one of those popular grand finals of all time and most entertaining i would say but look i reckon the tigers will win this one yet again
1: Yeah, i am tipping uh the tigers as well um i'm just seeing there's actually quite is there a few i oh, don't know just uh I was thinking this is another grand final replay and uh I think Bulldogs oh, are form as well, right? So yeah, so
0: well, Oh absolutely, yeah, I didn't realise that. Um and the Sharks I don't think ever did play. Panthers and Raiders, yes, and I think yes, Warriors and Seagulls did actually uh play was it in twenty eleven?
1: Yeah, I think that was, yeah. So that's one there, so
0: <laughs> and um
1: So stacking up the uh the rivalries one week <laughs>
0: I, look, whoever's on the judging committee, yeah, you can see. <laughs> is this rivalry round? Or like, I mean, what is this? I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's maybe it's it's a rivalry round, but have you know, obviously, eels and dragons also played in the f- grand final. They did in the late '70s. So mm. I think it was '77 and '78. They played two in a row, and in fact, they played a dra- drawn grand final. I believe. Wow. Um, that won't matter because the eels will win this one.
1: <laughs> yeah, look, so. I'm going to tip the eels as well. Um, uh, yeah, even yeah, but the, it'll, it'll be a good game, though. I, I think that that final game could be the match of the
0: round. Um, no, I actually agree. I think this one will be the match of the round. I think it, it'll be the, the tightest one that you'll see, and um, it'll be a good one to finish off the round. So, look, that's it. That's the podcast, the big one this week. There's obviously a lot uh, happening in the world of rugby league, on and off the field. Thank you for joining us, everyone. hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to check us out on uh, email. You can email us at rarepublic at gmail.com. Check us out on our website, aurorepublic.com. where you can stream all of our podcasts. And also check us out on Facebook and Twitter. And uh, if you want to download our podcasts off iTunes, you can do so as well. Tish, over to you to wrap this one up. Well, that's all the time that we have for this edition
1: of the Rugby League Republic. We're your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.